What's up, everybody? Welcome to Uncommon Grounds, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This is a podcast about students from our School of Communications. On this episode of Uncommon Grounds, host Chris Rausch interviews Toyloy Brown III, a junior journalism major and opinion editor for the Quinnipiac Chronicle. TJ's interest in journalism began at his high school, where he served as the first student sports reporter. He takes us inside his editing process for the Chronicle, and we learn about his contributions to HoopsProspects.com. Being a big basketball fan, Chris picks TJ's brain on the latest in the NBA to close the episode. My name is Mike Bachman, and I'm the producer of the show. I'm also a graduate student in Quinnipiac School of Communications. Our executive producer and director of community programming is David DeRoche. Uncommon Grounds is hosted by Chris Rausch, dean of the School of Communications. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Uncommon Grounds. This is a podcast about students at Quinnipiac University School of Communications. My name is Dean Chris Rausch, and joining me today is Toyloy Brown III. Uh, his friends call him TJ. Uh, he is a student here in the School of Communications, and he is also the opinion editor for the Quinnipiac Chronicle student newspaper. TJ, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's start with the opinion page or the opinion pages of the Chronicle. Uh, what are you trying to accomplish with uh, the opinion pages each week? Yeah, so my basic accomplishment, or generally, is to make sure to have opinion or opinions of students heard, whether it be something that is amongst the school, so whether it's dining, the shuttle system, or if it's something that's national, so this is an election year, so people are paying very close attention, very close attention to the presidential election as well as the importance of voting as a whole. So I think it's really important to have students' voices heard outside of just reporting on what happens on the campus. And the people who write uh, the opinions on the opinion page, are they Chronicle staff people or can anybody write for the opinion page? Yeah, so anyone can write for the opinion page after four articles, that's when a writer becomes an official staff writer. Okay. But before then, they're just contributing writers, as well as if you're a staff writer from another section, you can write an opinion article when you feel like it, as long as it's a good idea, uh, story idea, and it's approved, and we know you can get the job done. But anyone can come to me or my associate editor, opinion editor, Mike Sicoli, and they can have their article or the story idea be heard, and then we can give them the green light to go for it. And do you typically have trouble finding writers or uh, are you getting more submissions than you can uh, handle? No, I think I've gotten a lot better in terms of getting writers to write. So I know when I first started my sophomore year last year, the first semester was much more difficult to get writers. And I think after I've had more comfort inside the role or having the role as the opinion editor, I've been able to create relationships and find students that are involved in writing or just have like like this have passion or just are opinionated people and having those students be geared towards writing in a way where they can have those opinions be read by other people in the paper as well as our website also again it's like I think I've gotten much more comfortable throughout my time at Quinnipiac building relationships so outside of just getting people's cell phone numbers just talking to people and having just those nice conversations outside of uh, a writing and a more formal relationship What's the biggest thing that you have to deal with when you're editing these opinion pieces? Is it um, that the writer doesn't express an opinion or that the opinion is maybe confusing or 
What, what are you seeing? Yeah, so first off, I just want to make sure that the writer has an idea of where he or she wants to go with the story. So they may have a lot of information or knowledge on a topic, but they don't have a real opinion to clearly state or a point that they want to make. So it's always good to make sure they have an idea first or after they have an interest in a topic, have an idea second, and then they can build off and have their points. And also another important thing when I see an opinion is to make sure that opinion idea is heard earlier. So if you save it for last, you're just giving a lot of uh, facts and information rather than giving your opinion early on in the article where the reader who doesn't know exactly everything about the story at hand or doesn't know everything about the writer's opinion or the points they're going to make, they have somewhat of a foundation on, okay, in the second paragraph or in the lead paragraph, they know where the story is going to go. And I think the last thing I kind of look for when someone is trying to get an opinion is that they are passionate about it. So recently someone who wrote a story didn't have the opinion background or background in writing in an opinionated manner, but they had a news background. So the person has an opinion, but just didn't have the understanding of how to formulate that into writing. So it came out as a news article on the first edit. And then after I got a hands on it and saw it on the Google doc, I was able to organize a zoom meeting with this writer and was able to work around and like formulate points and sentences. So it read more like an opinion instead of a straight news article. TJ, how did you first get interested in journalism? I know you worked for your high school newspaper. Was that it? Yeah, so I always had a passion for writing, even when I was in elementary school. So when I was in the seventh, eighth grade, I was just given like little uh, ideas on how I was just a good writer generally for my age. And then when I got to high school, where there was high school sports, so backtrack, there was no uh, elementary school that I went to, a Catholic school in the Bronx. It didn't have any sports. And I'm a very big sports person, so I'll just do an academic writing. But in high school, my high school has sports, a very good sports program, very good basketball team, very good football team, as well as lacrosse. And I realized, that, oh, we, like there's a sports reporting. And that's kind of where I got my feet wet. And I got involved in the school newspaper at my high school. And I was actually the first student sports reporter at my high school. So initially, it was just by my sophomore year, it was just this teacher, it was my art teacher, actually, Mr. Torres, who was writing the articles for the Hayes, my, the high school I went to is Cardinal Hayes High School, and the site is called Hayes Athletics. So he was the one writing for the Hayes Athletics website. And once he got wind, how I was interested in sports writing as a career in my sophomore year, he had me just write a little uh, random article just to see like how I was as a writer and saw that I was capable and I became the first student sports reporter at my high school. So I think that's really the birth of my journalism career when I was 15 at my high school. All right, I'm gonna go off topic here for a minute. Most famous graduate of Cardinal Hayes High School. <laughs> the most famous graduate, that'll be uh, Scorsese. You think Scorsese? I think Scorsese, I think that's my, that's my final answer. See, since you said that's my final answer, I'm going to go with Regis Philbin. Yeah, Regis Philbin. It's a it's a back and forth. I don't that's, know. We I mean, that's have... the that's the when to me when I think of Cardinal Hayes, I think of Regis Philbin. I yep, think of him true. and Cardinal Hayes in Notre Dame. He was a big Notre Dame fan as well. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely uh, Regis Philbin. Like no argument for me in terms of that being the most famous graduate. But Scorsese, that's, I kind of knew a little bit more about him okay. when I first got to high school, and obviously, but Regis Philbin's a legend. And if you'd have asked me 20 years ago. I just said George Carlin. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Big George Carlin fan. <laughs> yes. He's a legend too. Yeah. TJ, how'd you get to Quinnipiac? What attracted you to come here? Yeah, for sure. So 
uh, my college application process, I had a lot of guidance. So my junior year, I was a part of a program called Opportunity Network. And it's a, it's a program that tries to find high school students with a lot of potential, but they may not have all the resources or the connections to understand the college application process or to understand uh, how to formulate a career and what like how to go about it. And that program helped me get interested and know schools outside of New York or schools that I didn't even ever heard of that were in New York. So through that program, I visited schools. And even though Quinnipiac wasn't one of the schools that I visited, I already had my eyes on schools that were outside of the New York City area. So I visited Georgetown University. I visited schools like Howard, uh, visited schools uh, in Pennsylvania and Lehigh University. So just me having that experience as a 17, 16 year old as a junior in high school, I was open already to going outside of New York City. So when it was my senior year of high school and I was branching or uh, trying to focus more on schools that had good communications programs, I stumbled upon Quinnipiac and I applied. I just did some preliminary research. I've heard the school through mainly the basketball program when I was just like, before I read anything about the school as a option as for me to be a college student there. And then once I learned of it, I applied, I got accepted. And once I visited, for the acceptance students today, I, was, I fell in love with it. I thought it was a really beautiful campus alongside it having a lot of opportunities for me to grow as a writer, as a student, and as a person overall. That's kind of how I discovered Quinnipiac and what brought me to it. And last point is that I'm from the city. I really wanted to get a very different experience than I already had in my 18 years up to that point of living in the Bronx, New York. So obviously Quinnipiac is not a buzzing city and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the quiet. I think it's really beautiful to see a mountain on the quad, one walking the quad, seeing sleeping, sleeping giant. So that's also a big reason why I decided to come to QU. So TJ, I, I know that the, despite the fact that you're the opinion editor of the Chronicle, you've been writing for a basketball website uh, this past summer. Is, is that the ultimate goal is to be a sports writer? Yes, it is. I love basketball, by far my favorite sport. Also enjoy football, but basketball is my number one passion. Uh, my College or passion. NBA? Yeah, uh, I love both. Uh, probably NBA if I have to make a preference, but NBA. Oh. Uh, but I love college. I even love high school basketball. I follow that pretty extensively when I have the chance to scour the rankings on ESPN, 24-7 sports, and other sites. Um, but, yeah, sports writing is my, is my love, basketball specifically. But outside of basketball, I'm pretty passionate about social issues and social commentary. So I can have like a space where I can intersect or write on the intersection of sports and politics, sports and like society overall. I think that's also what I plan to do once I'm done at Quinnipiac or in my career as a journalist. So tell me about hoopsprospects.com. What, what are you writing for them? Yeah, so I'm a contributing writer uh, at hoopsprospects.com. And over there, I conducted interviews or helped conducted interviews of players that are going to be entering the NBA draft or are draft eligible, but may already be, or may already be going to a team overseas in like in Germany. And there, I just wrote a good number of articles. So I did scouting reports. I wrote articles giving list of, so my most recent article was a list of seven, I believe, seniors that I think were underrated but could have an impact in the NBA and how they could have an impact. I wrote a breakdown for what the New York Knicks could do. I'm a Knicks fan. So I was given an opportunity to write about what the Knicks could do in the NBA draft. It was before we learned that we had the eighth pick, but still gave my opinion and gave some options. So that's kind of what I did overall at Hoops Prospects. Yeah, one of the articles you wrote, I remember, was about a player from, I think, northern Colorado. 
Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was impressed with the article because I I'm a pretty big basketball fan too, and I never heard of this guy uh, before you wrote about him. But then I did my research, and I was uh, I was like, this guy's got potential. How do you how do you find these these guys? Yeah, for sure. So it's a collaborative process. The person that runs the website, Richard Harris, he gives me some assignments as well as I. He like lets me give him my ideas, and we just got together. And he, like, we, we know the reach of the website would be good for prospects that are lesser known. So we definitely go and try to get connections with these lesser known prospects or see if there's anything written about them. And we use Synergy to watch their basketball games, watch a few of them, analyze it, take my notes, and then go and give my analysis. All right. So I need some projections here. Who's going to win the NBA Finals? <laughs> I'm going with the Lakers. If I had to choose as a, how I feel right now, going with the Lakers. I love how they look. Uh, yesterday, funny enough, when they played the Denver Nuggets in game four, uh, LeBron, I think he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Anthony Davis is an amazing talent, and when he wants to, he can be the best player in the basketball court. And I really respect the teams in Eastern Conference, Miami and Boston, that are left. I just can't see them putting a stop to the two best players in Los Angeles. Do you think it'll be Lakers in Miami? Yeah, it looks like that. That's probably the most uh, the most likely uh, outcome for the NBA yeah. Finals or the most likely meeting of two teams. But I actually picked the Boston Celtics to come to the finals or to go make it to the finals. I uh, didn't foresee a 3-1 <laughs> deficit in the series, uh, but I still I'm going to ride with my prediction and hope that the Celtics maybe come back down 3-1, how Denver Nuggets did against the Clippers and the Utah Jazz. Uh, but Miami's really talented. Miami's well-coached. They have uh, great the, – the pieces that they have, even though, like, the emergence of Tyler Hero, their rookie player, their second-best rookie, funny enough, Kendrick Nunn, who was on the, the finals list of rookie of the year and made first team a rookie who's not really playing. They have a second rookie in Tyler Hero who's amazing in terms of his talent and his confidence. Uh, but they're well-coached and their pieces fit. This team, the Miami Heat is reminding us that it's not just about super teams or having two superstars come together. It's also about team fit and also how teams can, like, play with each other and how they can build chemistry over time. And I really respect how the team has constructed and how well they're coached. But I'm rocking with the Celtics. I like their one through five uh, overall better. If Gordon Hayward can uh, even be more impressive, his son just got born. Maybe that's a, a weight off his shoulder. He can even do more for the Celtics. All right, with the number eight pick, the New York Knicks will select who? Kyra Lewis. It's a pick, a player probably not a whole bunch of people that don't follow college basketball and know about. So he played at Alabama. He's a six three point guard. Uh, his main weakness is his his size. And that's his weight, to be more specific. He's 160, 65 pounds. If you look at him, he kind of has the body top of a John Morant. But granted, he's nowhere near as explosive or as athletic. But he's he reminds me sweet. of Avery Johnson when Avery Johnson was in the league. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's a little bit taller than Avery Johnson, which may yeah. give him a little bit of advantage. Uh, but he's super fast. He has the quickness of a De'Aaron Fox. Not that he plays like De'Aaron Fox, but he's like from one end to another, he's extremely explosive and fast with the ball in his hands. And I think after a couple of years, he'll be able to maintain that speed. And probably another comparison throughout there is Dennis Schroeder, a little bit taller than Dennis Schroeder and probably a better shooter at the same age than Dennis Schroeder, which is encouraging. Uh, but I love – really impressed with him. And for the Knicks, I think we just need to get as much – I wish we was, had a higher pick to get a better point guard, let's say in LaMelo Ball. Uh, even a guy named Killian Hayes who's from France, who I'm a big fan of. But I'm pretty satisfied with the, option that, the options that we do have, with, which is, I said, Kyra Lewis. Tyrese Halliburton is another player out there. I just don't think his ball handling is as is, is, is tight enough because the Knicks, we need just another ball creator that can do things when 
uh, play, a team is not really running too well and we don't have a lot of perimeter talent. So just a guy that can put the ball, put the ball down and get a shot up, a good shot up, I think that would be helpful. And I think Kyle Lewis, he can get a good shot up. All right. TJ, think back into your, your memory. Who, who was I hoping you would, you would say with the eighth pick? I remember uh, Okoro. Isaac, <laughs> Isaac Okoro, Okoro, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I watched more of him since you told me about him. And he's amazing. He's really, uh, really smart. I love his basketball IQ. And if he had the jump shot, I'd probably say Okoro. But I, I just like jumpers on players early on than hoping that they, rather than hoping that they develop it because it's not always guaranteed that the jump shot comes. Yeah. I, I, I'm a firm believer that Okoro is going to really develop into an all-star in the next two or three years. I'll dub. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. I love, I love so, how he plays on defense. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to get mean. He's, he's yeah. too nice. Yeah, he's very kind. <laughs> like, he's not as – he could have taken more shots at, uh, at Auburn. He definitely could have been more aggressive in terms of yeah. scoring. Yeah. All right, TJ, last question that I, I try and ask everybody. What's the one thing you wish people knew about you uh, that they don't know? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I think one thing I wish people knew about me that probably they don't know, uh, how conscientious I am, which is, which is weird. I don't know. I think people get, like, my general demeanor is pretty laid back, and I get my work done. I'm pretty responsible. I think I'm a trustworthy person. I don't think people really, uh, at least the majority of students that I come across or, like, classmates and peers that I come across, I don't really get to, uh, like, fully – give in to like what I truly care about. So outside of sports, I'm very passionate about social issues and what affects people, whether it be people that are poor, people that live in conditions that I think are unfit for humans. And I'm from New York City and be very frank, I've seen some poverty. I've been around other people that don't have as much, uh, I guess, splendors that many people or many students at Quinnipiac enjoy and not to feel guilty about it or feel that it's a negative, but I just really wish I could have more of those deeper conversations. And I think if I had those, I think more people would know that like, I'm pretty conscientious and I care about things outside of the superficial. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you for me, the, uh, the thing that, that really opened my eyes was I went to South Africa in 2005 and, and went to Soweto. And there are people there living without electricity, without running water. And it's just unconscionable to me that there are people in this world living like that today with all of the advances that we've made as a society. I just, I can't believe that that's happening. Yeah, the inequities in the world, not just in the United States, but worldwide, it's, it's depressing. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. And if I can have an impact just by being more intelligent, being more aware, and passing that information in an article through a podcast, then I think I'll be pretty happy and content with where I end up as a professional. All right, TJ, last question before we go. During the NBA playoffs, <laughs> I bought a T-shirt for a player, for one player. Okay. Because of what he did, you have three guesses. Who is that okay. one player? He's still in the playoffs at like – he's still – oh, he's eliminated. No longer, no longer in the playoffs. Okay. But I, but I bought a T-shirt, and I've been wearing it regularly for – a player that was in the playoffs for, for what he did during the playoffs. For what he did during the playoffs. Oh, man. Okay. I'm trying to – you're putting me on the spot. This is really tough. I have three chances, you said? And, and I'll make it easy for you. It wasn't anything he did on the court. Nothing on the court. Okay. I'm going to go first guess. 
Maybe Malcolm Brogdon? Indiana. Okay. That's nope, no. That's, that's one strike. That's one strike. Oh, man. I'm really racking my brain. Trying you're, to think of, you're in the right conference. I'm in the right yeah. conference. Okay, that's good. Thank you. That helps a lot. Um, <laughs> teams that not in, in playoffs anymore. <laughs> I'm really competitive, so I'm trying to, like, really think hard about this. Fred Van Vliet? No. Ah, man. Yeah, one more. One okay. more guess. Or one more guess. <laughs> Last chance. I, I'm actually not that much of a Van Vliet fan. You're not much of a Van Vliet fan. Oh, no. that's interesting. I love Van Vliet. I'll root for every short player that like is an awesome basketball <laughs> player in the NBA. You got the right position. I'm in the right position. Okay. Right position, right conference. Oh my God. If I don't get this, I'm going to be so upset at myself. Okay. So it's a point guard in the Eastern conference. No longer. Not necessarily a point guard, but a guard. Oh, okay. A guard, just a straight guard. Yeah. Everyone plays multiple guard or multiple positions now in the NBA. I give you the color. The color of the shirt is green. The color of the shirt is green. Yes. George Hill? George Hill. George, thank you so much for that hint. I needed that. How <laughs> <laughs> bought That's me a George Hill shirt? Wow, yeah, George Hill is the real deal. George Hill is the man. Yeah, I have profound respect for him and how much he, he's used his voice. And during the bubble, outside the bubble, I think he's done an awesome job. Yeah, I've become a huge George Hill fan. That's great. All right, TJ, I appreciate you, you taking the time to join us on Uncommon Grounds. This has been great to catch up with you. Yeah, this is fun. I really appreciate it. That was Chris Roush interviewing Toiloy Brown III, a junior journalism major and opinion editor for the Quinnipiac Chronicle. Uncommon Grounds is hosted by Chris Roush, Dean of the School of Communications at Quinnipiac University. The show is produced by myself, Mike Bachman. Big thank you to Heather Popovics for running the social media. Our executive producer and director of community programming is David DeRoche. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at qupodcasts. If you have a story to share or something you want us to talk about, you can find us on social media or shoot us an email. That address is qupodcasts at qu.edu. On the next episode of Uncommon Grounds, Chris interviews Danielle DeMauro, executive producer of Quinnipiac's late-night comedy show, Quinnipiac Tonight. And in a world that's shifting under our feet faster than any other era in a lifetime, information and media access are critical. So stay connected, my friends, and we'll catch you next time.